Welcome to Passion. For more information about Passion, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. have to do a whole lot of uh, background on Rocky. Most of you know the gist. I put that egg scene in there just so it helped those snickerdoodle cookies go down real good in a little bit. Uh, most of you know the gist of the Rocky movies. It's uh, It basically started out as a uh, an unknown, local, hard-hitting, undisciplined brawler gets the shot at the world championship. Do you remember why? Do you remember why they gave him the shot? Because of his nickname. 
His nickname was Marketable, so since he was the Italian stallion, he got the shot to take on the world champion, and so he enters the ring as this underdog unknown, and he takes on in, in this, he almost wins. You remember, it, it comes down to, to a, a, a real close battle. It's an epic battle against the master of disaster, the sting, the king of sting, Apollo Creed, the world champion. You remember that? And that first movie launches Rocky on this journey of battle after battle. In fact, in the second movie, he takes on Apollo Creed again, and he wins. And so then the subsequent movies after that are basically journeys of, of Rocky learning about himself and continuing to fight and be successful. Uh, one of the most incredible things to me about these movies, other than the fight scenes, which at the time were some of the most cutting-edge movie scenes ever made, were these grueling training scenes. You, you, I just showed you kind of a montage of all these training scenes. These scenes that Rocky goes through in this movie allow something to take place right before our eyes. We are uh, privileged to watch this soft, lumpy, out-of-shape bo boxer hone his body through these unbelievable, intense workout scenes into this statuesque uh, weapon that he takes into the ring. In fact, did you know that these workout uh, routines that you see in these movies that people today actually still do them? They went and got the movies and watched what he did, and they try to mimic what Rocky did. That's what happens. And so he, he his journey towards his, this championship that he wins and loses and wins and loses and defends and all that that goes throughout the course of the movies, basically what it is is it's a journey of pain. We don't really stop and think about that much, but the reality is is that basically uh, Rocky's story is a story of pain interrupted by moments of victory. The whole uh, series, every movie is basically about how much pain he could endure. And what Rocky does is he pushes past his pain threshold time and time again to produce greatness in his own life. And so this morning we're going to start this series called Rocky Revelations. And the first revelation that we're going to look at is this revelation about pain. I need to tell you some things about pain. Some, uh, some of the things I'm going to tell you about pain are painful. Like, uh, for instance, pain is real. I wish I could tell you that once you come to church like you're supposed to, that all pain ends and that you never have another problem and you get to walk the rest of your life on a cakewalk and in the rose garden and just smell roses the rest of your life. But the reality is, is that pain is real and pain is common. We all have pain. Pain is a part of life. Pain must be endured. But here's one that you probably haven't really thought about and probably won't like very much, but it is still the truth, and that is this. Pain is necessary. We have to have pain. It's, it's hard to see pain as a friend. There, there's some reaction to pain that most of us do. A lot of us, what we do with pain is we fight pain. We, we, don't, we do everything within our ability to avoid pain. For some of us, uh, we know people that when they experience pain, they become bitter about that pain. You know people like that, don't you? I know people that are bitter over the pain they've had to endure in life. How about this one? We, we try, some of us try to ignore pain. Just play like it doesn't exist and just, you know, just go on through life. And then there's this other group of people that tries to laugh pain off. Have you ever done that? 
Have you ever tried to laugh? How about when you're walking down the stairs in the mall, like the escalator, and your shoe gets caught in it, and you fall flat on your face, and you jump up real quick and brush yourself off and acting like nobody saw you, and you're dying, and you're so pain. I remember when I was a teenager, I had a, a, a paper route, and I was, I was showing off on my bicycle one day on my paper route, and my foot got caught in the chain, and when it did, it catapulted me over the front of my handlebars, and I landed face first on the pavement, and I jumped up, bleeding and all, as fast as I could, and I brushed myself and got on back on my bike, acting like nothing was wrong, because we like to laugh pain off. Have you ever done that with your kids? Your kids stub their toe, or they hurt their finger, and they're just in panic mode, and you walk up to them, and you start joking with them, like, do you want me to cut it off? Would it be, you're joking with them, and, and they stop, and they think about what you're saying, and, the, and the, the, the humor, that's not much humor, but there's some humor in there, and, and it causes them to think about something else, and they relax. Have you, have you ever done that? We deal with pain in a different way, all of us. But here's, all, here's the deal I want to get to. We all have a pain threshold. There is a level of pain that sometimes we just can't seem to bear. Now, the reality is, is that some of us have a higher threshold of pain than others. Some of us don't have much threshold for pain. We just can't endure it. Some of you, you know, the truth is, is that some of us haven't really endured very much pain. Now, don't get me wrong, we've had the occasional stress headache, and we've had the uh, occasional broken heart, and we've had a, a rough day every now and then, and we think it's the end of the world, and we want to crawl up in the fetal position and not get out of bed. But the truth is, is if we really examine what's going on in our life, we really haven't experienced pain. Because there are some folks sitting in the room this morning that have endured pain. That they've experienced tragedy after tragedy. They've had heart-stopping, heartbreaking, breathtaking tragedy. They've buried loved ones long before their time. They've endured bad things happening over and over and over again. They have genuinely endured high levels of pain. Our pain threshold is different. So what we've got to discover is how do we deal with pain? Some of us have had really bad pain, but I want to tell you this morning that there's an account in the Bible about probably what I would consider the worst day ever recorded in human history. I, now, some of you, I, I don't want to diminish your pain. Some of you have been through bad days, months, years. Maybe you've had a bad decade. Maybe you've had a bad life. I don't know what kind of pain. Maybe you've been dealt a, uh, dealt a bad hand, and it seems like everything you touch goes the wrong direction and falls apart, and you feel like you've endured all the pain that you can endure. But can I remind you about one man in the Bible that had perhaps the worst day or a couple days ever recorded known to mankind? In fact, I found his theme song. They sang it much later than what he was alive. But when I was growing up, I remember, I, I don't know, I can't remember if I was forced. I probably had to be forced. But we watched this show called Hee Haw. And uh, it may have been it's because there was only three channels on TV back then, and then you had to watch something, and the rest of them wasn't worth, worth watching. So on, I think it was on, was it on Saturday night or Sunday night? I can't Saturday night, we'd watch Hee Haw. And these guys would dress up like hillbillies, and, and I don't know how you told that part of the show from the rest of it, but they, they dressed up like hillbillies, and they would sing this one song. I believe it was Job's theme song. It went like this, gloom and despair. And agony on me. You remember that? Oh, some of y'all can sing it. Deep, dark depression, excessive misery. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Gloom, despair, and agony on me. Job could have sung that song with conviction. He had experienced pain. Let me read some 
some of what happened to Job. It's a kind of a lengthy passage, but I, I feel like it helps us get the picture of what happened. I want to read it to you out of the Message Bible in Job chapter 1 through 19, and then a couple verses in chapter 2. It says, Job was a man who lived in us. He was honest inside and out, a man of his word, who was do- totally devoted to God and hated evil with a passion. He had seven sons and three daughters. He was also very wealthy, 7,000 head of sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 teams of oxen, 500 donkeys, and a huge staff of servants, the most influential man in all the East. His sons used to take turns hosting parties in their homes, always inviting their three sisters to join them in the merrymaking. And when the parties were over, Job would get up early in the morning and sacrifice a burnt offering for each of his children, thinking maybe one of them sinned by defying God inwardly. Job made a habit of this sacrificial atonement just in case they'd sinned. One day when the angels came to report to God, Satan, who was the designated accuser, I've heard of a designated hitter, but we have a designated accuser, came along with them. And God singled out Satan and said, what have you been up to? And Satan answered God, going here and there, checking things out on earth. And God said to Satan, have you noticed my friend Job? There's no one quite like him, honest and true to his word, totally devoted to God and hating evil. And Satan retorted, so do you think Job does all that out of sheer goodness of his heart? Why, no one has ever had it so good. You pamper him like a pet. Make sure nothing bad ever happens to him or his family or his possessions. Bless everything he does. He can't lose. But what do you think would happen if you reached down and took everything that is his? He'd curse you right to your face. That's what. And God replied, we'll see. Go ahead. Do what you want with all that is his. Just don't hurt him. Then Satan left the presence of God. Sometime later, while Job's children were having one of their parties at the home of the oldest son, a messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys grazing in the field next to us when Sabians attacked and they stole the animals and killed the field hands. I'm the only one to get out alive and tell you what happened. While he was still talking, another messenger arrived and said, Bolts of lightning struck the sheep and the shepherds and fried them, burned them to a crisp. I'm the only one to get out alive and tell you what happened. Why he was still talking. Another messenger arrived and said, Chaldeans coming from three directions raided the camels and massacred the camel drivers. I'm the only one to get out alive and tell you what happened. And while he was still talking, another messenger arrived and said, Your children were having a party at the home of the oldest brother when a tornado swept in off the desert and struck the house. It collapsed on the young people and they died. I'm the only one to get out alive and tell you what happened then in chapter 2 we read in verse 7 a few days later satan left god and struck job with terrible sores job job had ulcers and scabs from head to foot they itched and oozed so badly that he took a piece of broken pottery to scrape himself then he went in and set on a trash heap among the ashes i want to tell you this morning that job had a bad day on steroids That is the worst day recorded in history, if you stop and think about it. Think about it just a moment. A man who is financially secure, that is the most influential man in the entire region, suddenly goes from financial security to financial bankruptcy in one day. Loses all of his possessions, all of his his worldly goods. He's struck down completely. He goes into bankruptcy on one day. You thought you had a bad day on the market recently. He lost everything in one day. Then to make matters worse, 
His heritage gets taken away from him. You can still make it if you lose your houses and your cars and your, your bank accounts and, and your nice clothes. You can still make it when all that's going on. But now all of a sudden we run into Job and Job on one day loses his heritage and his legacy. Can you imagine? He didn't just have to attend one funeral. He didn't just have to plan one funeral. Job had to lay to rest all on one day. Ten children in one day thought it was bad when you lost the loved one what happens when you have to lay your whole family to rest in one day and then it only gets worse can it get worse oh yeah it got worse because now this picture of health finds himself covered with scabs and sores to the point that he's so itchy and so nasty that he goes and sits on a trash heap from sitting in a palace to finding himself on a trash heap job endured pain now here's the deal the question this morning is not about the threshold of pain because we all have different levels of pain that we can endure. Some of us would have quit after we lost the donkeys. Some of us would have given up after we lost the camels. Some of us, when the fried sheep got announced, we would have thrown in the towel right then. Some of us would have gone out of our mind with misery when we found out that all ten of our children were destroyed in a tornado. Some of us would have given up hope when our health was taken from Job evidently had a high threshold of pain that some of us just don't have. But that's not the question. The question is, why pain? Why do we have to have pain? Let me tell you some things about pain this morning. The first thing I want to tell you is this. Pain is predictable. And it is impartial. Mark my words, like it or not, Pain is predictable. There will come a moment in your life, if you have not already, one day, mark my words, like it or not, you might as well get ready for it. There will come a moment in your life, because pain is predictable, that you will endure pain at some moment in your life. It's just a part of life. But not only is pain predictable, pain is impartial. The Bible says that Job was a just man, that he was a holy man, that he was an upright man. He was the friend of God. The Bible says that Jesus was the son of God, and yet both men, Job and Jesus, still endure pain because pain is impartial. The Bible says it like this, that it rains on the just and the unjust alike. And so the truth for us this morning, I hate to tell you this much, but just coming to church won't get you out of pain. You will never be holy enough. You will never be righteous enough. You will never do enough good works. You will never be straight enough in your walk to not have pain in your life because pain is impartial. Everybody will endure pain. Some of you have gone through life so far and you haven't had any pain. I got bad news this morning. You didn't come to church expecting to get bad news. Here it is. You will have pain. It will come. It will come. The second thing I want to tell you about pain is this. Pain is necessary because pain purifies. You understand this morning that pain purifies us. It rips away all the things that are non-essentials out of our lives. And all of us are so distracted by so many different things that don't really matter. At the moment that we begin to endure pain, it purifies us. And it single focuses us on what really matters. How many of you know when you're going through pain that possessions no longer matter? 
How many of you know that when you're going through pain, popularity no longer matters? How many of you know when you're going through pain, whether or not you got your Starbucks this morning, no longer matters? Because what pain does is it levels the playing field and it purifies us and rips away everything so that we become single-focused once again about what really matters in life. That's why pain is necessary. Some of the times, God allows us to go through pain so that it will cause us to be single-focused again and get our attention back where it belongs and get it off all the other stuff. How many of you know that when you're enduring pain, that grudges don't matter anymore? Hurt feelings don't matter anymore because the pain grabs your attention and it purifies us and causes us to focus on what really matters. The third thing I would tell you about pain is this. Pain pushes and strengthens us. Uh, there's an old quote. I, I want to say Benjamin Franklin said it, but it may be wrong. Uh, it says, what doesn't kill you only makes you stronger. You remember that? I hate that quote. I hate that quote, but it's he's right because pain pushes us and causes us to get strong. I was remembering these movies. Uh, for those of you that are Rocky buffs, kind of like I am, I remember Rocky number four. You remember Rocky number four? He goes up against the Siberian Express. Uh, he goes up against Ivan Drago, and it's this mountain of a man. You remember the video? It was unbelievable how small. I never realized just how small Rocky was until that movie, and I suddenly realized he's going against the, this giant. And you will remember that what he did is he moved into Siberia, got into the coldest, harshest environment he could get in, got away from all the hotels and the luxuries of life and he went and got into a rough barren uh, environment and he trained like he'd never trained before we saw I showed you where he's on his back and he's tilting his legs man I'd like to be able to do that and not and be able to walk tomorrow and uh, but he did some exercises that you could not even imagine because he realized and, I, and there was a quote in the movie I wish I could remember it exactly but he talks about I got to do what I've never done to get me where I want to go it was going to take a monument monumental effort to be able to fight this this giant of a man that's what pain does pain pushes us to grow and to become stronger see the reality this morning for you is this you will never move it doesn't matter if you're talking spiritually it doesn't talk it doesn't matter if you're talking relationally it doesn't matter if you're talking financially in every area of your life you will never move from point a to point b until you become sick of point a bad enough to move or there's another way to say that and that is this until it's more painful to stay at point a you than it is to move to point b you will never leave point a until you endure enough pain to make you so uncomfortable that you refuse to stay where you are you will never move that's why a lot of times god will allow us to endure some things that are not necessarily pleasant because it forces us to grow and forces us to stretch. And if we were just comfortable and always happy and always excited, then we would never grow the way he wants us to grow. And so pain becomes necessary. One man said it like this. He says, if you want to see people dance, you got to shoot bullets at their feet every now and then. You think about that in your own spiritual walk and in your own daily life. A lot of the times, the only way that we will grow in our relationship with God or grow in our relationship with our spouse or grow in relationship with the people around us is as we endure pain. It forces us to grow. And so pain is necessary. The next thing I would tell you about pain is this. Pain positions and prepares us. 
I want you to understand something, that before Job went through pain, he was a great man. How many of you would acknowledge the fact that Job was a great man? But what we understand, you know the end of the story. I don't need to read it to you this week. All you got to do is flip over to the back of Job chapter 42, and we discover that after pain, Job is greater than he was before pain. In fact, it says it like this. The, the scripture comes along and it says, the Lord made him prosperous again and gave him twice as much as he had had before. And then it says, and the Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life more than the first. Job was greater after his pain than he was before his pain. I came to tell you this morning that pain positions you and it prepares you for what God has in store for you. In fact, a quote that I heard once says, your greatness is determined by how much pain you're willing to endure. Think about that a moment. Your greatness is determined by your pain. In other words, pain is your threshold to greatness. One man said it like this. Listen to this quote. He said this. He said, if you want to be good, it will be painful only every now and then. Many people can still handle it. But being great is a totally different level. The pain is much more deeper, is much deeper, and it is continuous. Listen to what he says. Very few people can endure this kind of pain, and that's why there are very few great people. Most people naturally choose that which brings pleasure to them. It's unnatural to choose pain over pleasure, let alone doing it continuously for a long time. Most of us never get past good because we aren't willing to pay the price for great. And the price for greatness is pain. And so if you want to be great in business, endure pain. If you want to be a great Christian, you're going to have to endure pain. If you want to be a great wife, you're going to have to endure some pain. If you want to be a great husband, you're going to have to endure some pain. You want to be a great mom and dad, you're going to have to endure some pain. You want to be a great friend, you're going to have to endure some pain. You want to be a great athlete, you're going to have to endure some pain. Pain is the price that we have to be to be great. So pain is that element in our life that positions us and prepares us. The next thing that pain does is it speaks to us. There's a quote by C.S. Lewis that says this. It says, God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks in our conscience, but he shouts in our pain. I want you to understand that from Job chapter 1, we discover that Job loved God. That Job was in relationship with God. That Job was passionate about God. But I want you to notice something that I'd never noticed before. I want you to notice that it was Job's pain that allowed Job to hear God. Think about that a moment. Because I think that what Job had done is he'd made some assumptions about God. He assumed God's love. He made assumptions about God's favor. He made, he made assumptions about God's goodness. He made assumptions about God's greatness and his power. But I want you to understand and recognize this morning that it was after his pain that he actually heard God. And not only that, went one step further and saw God. Uh, let me prove it. In Job chapter 42, verse 5, it says this. My ears had heard of you. That's a huge difference than my ears had heard you. So Job, as he's enduring all this pain, begins to hear God for the first time. Y'all remember the discussions he had with God? We, the video we watched last week, remember God says, how can you hold the Pleiades in your All those discussions. For the first time, Job says, you know what, I had heard of you. But then he goes on and he says, but now my eyes have seen you. 
I want you to know that pain is the most effective Q-tip ever created by God. And it is the best eye drops you can ever use. Because what happens is that as we endure pain, how many of you know that there are voices always vying for our attention? How many of you know that there are voices always calling to us? I want you to understand this morning that sometimes it's difficult to hear God, but not when you're going through pain. There's something about pain that cleans out our ears, our spiritual ears, and we tune into his voice and we can hear him. And not only that, it's the best eye drops because if we can look through the tears and focus correctly in the moment of our deepest agony and pain, that heartbreaking moment when we're not sure we can make it any longer, if we would just focus in, it's during that kind of pain that we actually see God. Pain speaks. Pain is not a quiet thing. Pain shouts to us about God and lets us know that God is there and that God cares about us and that God is concerned about us. The last thing that I want to tell you this morning about pain is this. Pain shatters our illusion of self-sufficiency. Martin Luther said it like this. He said, if I allow pain to make me bitter, it blinds me to the truth of what God wants to do in my life. C.S. Lewis comes behind him and he says, pain removes the veil. It plants the flag of truth within the fortress of a rebel soul. David said it like this in Psalms chapter 119, verse 71. It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. Because pain teaches us that we still need God. I don't know what it is, but it seems like when God begins to bless us, there comes a moment where we cross over to this place where we think that we don't need him anymore. That he's been so good to us that if you don't ever, if I, if I don't ever have another encounter with you, if I never sent your presence again, if you don't ever bless me again, that's all right. I can take it from here. And we become self-sufficient thinking that we no longer need God to step into our life. We no longer need his hand of favor on our life. And at that moment, pain can come into our life and it reveals to us once again that I can't do this by myself. And I'm not strong enough, and I'm not smart enough, and I'm not uh, talented enough. I am at this place, God, where I need you. That's what pain does, is it drives us back to our knees and lets us know we got to have God. Paul said it like this. He understood this. He said in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 through 10. I've read this hundreds of times, but I read it in the Message Bible, and I want you to notice the strange wording. He says, because of the extravagance of those revelations, and so I wouldn't get a big head, I was given the gift of a handicap. When's the last time that you had a handicap that you thought it was a gift? Listen to what he's saying. He said, God, you've given me the gift of a handicap to keep me in constant touch with my limitations. Satan's angels did his best to get me down. What he did, in fact, was push me to my knees. No danger then of walking around high and mighty. At first, I didn't think of it as a gift, and I begged God to remove it. Three times I did that, and then he told me, my grace is enough. It's all you need. My strength comes into its own in your weakness. Once I heard that, I was glad to let it happen. I quit focusing on the handicap and began to appreciate appreciating the gift. It was the case of Christ's strength moving in on my weakness. Now I take limitations in stride and with good cheer. These limitations that cut me down to size, abuse, accidents, oppositions, bad breaks, I just let Christ take over 
And so the weaker I get, the stronger I become. That's the purpose of pain. Pain comes into our life so that it reminds us on a daily basis that you need a God. It's hard to see pain as a gift. When you're going through a tough time in your home or a tough time in your life or your body is racked with sickness and pain, how many of you know it's hard to see that pain as a gift? Anybody ever been there where you suffered and go, I don't know if I can see this as a good thing, God. But I want you to see pain differently this morning. I want you to understand that pain is a constant reminder that we need God and that we need a Savior who's been touched by the same pain that we feel. Y'all don't remember that verse of Scripture, do you? Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, we have a Savior that's been touched with the same infirmities that we've been touched with. Why would he go through what he went through? Why would he allow his body to be devastated by pain? Why would he be broken in relationship with his disciples and with his father? Why would all that happen? One reason, so that we would have somebody we could go to when we're in pain. We need him. You can call God and Jesus a crutch if you want to. I'm all right with that. Because, see, I just discovered that we all need a crutch, and I would rather have a crutch that can help me than the one that makes it worse, like alcohol and drugs. I never figured that out. Everybody wants to talk about Jesus and God as a crutch. They turn to all these other crutches, and all their crutches do is make it worse. I thought a crutch was supposed to carry you. And a crutch supposed to hold you up when you're hurt? That's exactly what God does for us. That's why pain comes into our life, so that it reminds us and turns our attention back to Him. See, God will never allow you to come to your place, a place in your life, spiritually or any other way, where you don't need Him anymore. Think about that a moment. Let that sink in. God will never allow you to go, grow or come to a place in your life where you don't need Him anymore. In fact, about the moment when you get to that place, Guess what happens? Pain. Pain. That's what pain does. It reminds us of our need for him. So we have choices this morning. We can fight pain, and if we do, guess what? It's still going to come. You can ignore pain, and if you ignore the pain of your life, what it does is it causes you to miss the truth that God is trying to teach you during the pain. You can, you can be afraid of pain. And you won't ever recognize the fact that it's a gift. You can dismiss it. You can try to medicate it. How many of you know you can act like there's no pain? You can medicate pain. I'm not talking about like sickness pain. I'm talking about life pain. You can try to medi medicate that and nobody will ever know that you're dealing with it. But the reality is, is that we have a choice to make. I think that the best way to deal with pain, as much as it hurts, is to recognize, to get a revelation that it is pain that pushes us to greatness. It is pain that pushes us to hear God. It is pain that allows us to remember that we're not self-sufficient. I got news for you. About the time I stubbed my toe, I remember I need God. About the time I don't know where to turn, I remember I need God. When my kids don't act like they're supposed to, I remember I need God. When my friends act crazy, I need God. That's what it does when my loved ones are hurting and in pain and suffering. It reminds me that I need God. That's the revelation that we need to receive this morning. I don't know what you're going through. Some of you may have endured tragedy already and you've come through it and you're on your other side and maybe you're bitter about it. Maybe some of you are just now experiencing pain. But I want to just encourage you this morning. You say, well, how do you encourage with a sermon on pain? Give me a break. I'm not excited about pain. Well, I'm not either if 
pain doesn't teach us anything. But if we would get the correct perspective on pain and not become mad about it, not become bitter about it, and not try to avoid it and understand that God can send it as a, a gift, every good and perfect gift comes from heaven above. Pain? We have to have pain. Well, Steve, you're supposed to tell us that it's all going to be all right, and it is. And you're supposed to tell us that once we said, Jesus, save me from my sins, I make you Savior of my life, you're never going to have pain ever again, and you get to float through life. Somebody lied to you. Because Scripture says very clearly, if they, just, if they did what they did to Jesus... <laughs> They're going to do it to us too. And if the Son of God went through pain, why wouldn't we go through pain? We are naive. That's a nice way to say stupid if we think that we're not going to have any pain. And I want you to hear me this morning carefully. Your greatness is wrapped up in how much pain you're willing to endure. And I need you to sink, let that sink into your spirit personally, and I want you to let that speak, speak to us corporately because there are great days corporately for us coming. Hear me. But they will be preceded by pain. Ever had a baby without pain? Anybody? I've, I've never had a baby, but ever had a baby without pain? No, I didn't think so. Hadn't heard about that one yet. But I want to tell you what, I've got two great kids. I'm blessed beyond measure. You know what they came out of? Pain. Not for me, for her. I was getting something to eat probably, I don't know. She was in pain. So how do we think that corporately or personally we can produce greatness without some labor pains? And so I just want to encourage you this morning. The good news, I got good news wrapped up in all this. And that is this, God cares about us. God will not put more on us than we can endure. God is faithful and just, and he's right there to help us through it. And he won't leave us, and he will never forsake us. And right in the midst of the most devastating pain of our entire life, if we would just open our eyes and open our ears, we would see God, and we would hear God, and we would know that God is for us and not against us, and we're the head and not the tail, and we're the first and not the last. Because he loves us, but he loves us so much that he requires us to go through pain. Father, this morning there are people sitting here in pain. They may be smiling right now and putting on a good show and a good act, but I know the truth. The truth is, is that pain is impartial and it's predictable. There are people under the sound of my voice who are struggling with pain. And Father, I pray that what this message that I've shared this morning would do is it would remind us that you haven't forsaken us and that you are cheering for us and that you're on our side. But that does not mean we still won't have pain. It just means that we have to get the correct perspective on pain. And so, Father, this morning I pray that what we would do is we face the painful parts of our life as we endure some of the devastating moments, the tragedies, the hurt, the broken hearts, the discouragements of life. 
even if they don't live up to Job's level in our mind, if they're earth-shattering, I pray that you would remind us that pain is necessary for greatness. And I pray that we would tune in and hear your voice call to us again. And that we would see you in our pain. And that your pain would promote and prepare and position us for all that you've called us for and established for us and that we would get there. God, I know this. We can forfeit our destiny by our unwillingness to deal with painful issues. And we don't want to do that. And so I pray that you would help us to handle pain properly and learn from it and grow through it in Jesus' name. I want you to stand with me this morning. There's a great passage of scripture that should offer you encouragement this morning if you're dealing with pain. Here it is. Ready? It's profound. This too will pass. Oh, you might be in the early stages of pain and it might take a little while for it to pass, but it will pass. There's a there's a an account in history that I want to share with you before we pray with you. It's about this old gentleman by the name of Pierre Augusta Renoir. He's a great French painter. He was an artist. He suffered from arthritis in his painting hand, and his hand became twisted and cramped, and he could barely hold his brush. And one of his friends, who was also an artist, his name was Henry Matisse, he would watch sadly while Renoir would grasp the brush just in his fingertips, and he would continue to paint these masterpieces through gritted teeth, and every movement would cause severe pain. And one day, Matisse asked Renoir, he said, why do you keep painting even though it costs you so much pain? And hear what Renoir said. He said this, he said, the pain passes, but the beauty remains. And I came to tell you this morning, I don't know what you're going through. Whatever pain is going on in your life, the pain will pass. But how you embrace and deal with that pain will determine where there's any, whether there is any beauty left behind that experience. Every head bowed, every eye closed. There's good news for you this morning. If you're in this building and you're in pain, you're not alone. There is a God who loves you and who longs to help you. And there are people in this room with you that want to help you. You're not alone. But we've got to understand and get the correct revelation of pain that is hard as it is to get through it. It is necessary, and we can hold on. If you're here this morning and you say, Steve, I'm in pain, whether it be physical pain or emotional pain or financial pain or spiritual pain, you just say, Steve, I am dealing with pain, and I need God to intervene. And I'm not promising you after we pray for you that your pain will end. I'm not telling you that this morning. I'm just telling you that what I believe that God is going to do is he's going to reveal himself to you in your pain and that'll make it all worth it if you're here and you're in pain this morning and need somebody to pray with you would you just raise your hand and pull it back down nobody's looking around this is just between you and God and our prayer partners there's one anybody else that's in pain this morning yeah there's one anybody else that's enduring pain amen anybody else going through a hard time struggle oh I know it looks good right now but you're in pain 
and you need a promise this morning. One moment longer, anybody. This is what I want you to do. I want you to lay your hands on your neighbor right now. Some of you are standing next to some folks that raised their hand. They're in pain. They need somebody. Have you ever been where you didn't know how to pray for yourself? I've been there. And you need somebody to pray for you this morning. Come on, let's pray for one another. Father, you said that we should carry one another's burdens. That we should help one another when we're going through hard times. And Father, this morning we pray for those hands that went up. Those individuals that said they're in pain. And God, I know this. You're still God even though we're dealing with pain. And God, I know this. You may not remove the pain immediately. You may choose to because you said you would never let us endure more than we can handle. But I also know this, you may allow us to go through that pain to make us better on the backside of that. So, Father, my prayer is this. Teach us what we need to know while we're in pain. Teach us the lessons that we need to know. Teach us the things that we need to understand while we're in pain. God, position us. Prepare us. Increase our threshold of pain. Increase our understanding of the fact that how we endure this pain will determine whether there's any greatness on the backside of this thing or any beauty left over from this thing. God, let us see a light at the end of the tunnel, oh God. Let us see your hand at work. Help us to hear you and to see you. That's our prayer this morning. And so, Father, I pray courage into those folks that raise their hand. And I pray that you would not allow them to get discouraged and to quit. I pray that as painful as it may be and as tragic as it may appear, your grace, like Paul said, would be sufficient for us. And we would suddenly get a glimpse of this thing that's causing pain in our life as a gift from you rather than as a curse from you. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. God, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you for your love. I thank you that you work everything together for the good of those that are called according to your purpose and according to your name, that love you and that are passionate like Job was about you. We know that in the end, you always come through. Give us strength this morning. In the midst of our pain, Two things, and then I'll let you go. Number one, I want to strongly encourage you to be here next week. Can I tell you what's going to happen? I'm not going to let the cat out of the bag, but let me just tell you, we're bringing a guest in next week that, in my opinion, I told the worship team this morning, I don't know any other way to categorize this, this family than this. They are modern-day Jobs, and they're going to come and share their story. Your life will be changed. You better bring Kleenex. That's all I got to say. We're going to supply it, but you better bring Kleenex. It's a story of tragedy, but at the same time, I can stand up here and tell you about pain, but I can also bring somebody and tell you who's been through it and how they came out on the backside of it and what God is doing. Second thing I want to tell you is this. If you're still in pain this morning and you need somebody to agree with you, our prayer partners are out in this lobby on the west side. As you walk out, take a left over here in this little lobby on the left. They're stationed there ready to pray for you as a point of contact. They are people who know what pain is about and they know where to turn when there's pain and they turn to God and they will agree with you and we're going to believe that God is going to stretch you 
and make you everything he wants you to be. Father, I bless my people this morning. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion. 